Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. This is Sunday Edition with Anthony, a news magazine show featuring human interest, in the spotlight, movers and shakers, and the news and happening that affects all of us in and out of the ACB community. What a majestic theme song. I wonder who picked that. Does someone have a big head or what? Welcome, welcome, welcome to Sunday edition. Feels really good to actually hear that. As uh, some listeners may know, I was not here last Sunday. I was dealing with moving from New York to Florida, and I am still halfway there. But I am here today. I am really excited to bring you an amazing audio description show. And we're going to jump into that in a few moments. I just wanted to thank Gabriel Lopez-Cafati, Cheryl Cumming, um, Clark Rochel, and Jeff Bishop, who streamed the show last week, plus all of the amazing guests who spoke about voting. Uh, The show is going to be podcasted very soon, so if you didn't get a chance to hear it last week, it was an absolutely amazing show, and it will be up on ACB Radio, the podcast Uh, portion of the website, not shortly. But today, we are going to dive right into all things audio description. And the first person who I am going to introduce is a voice that most of us know, most of us love, and all of us had an amazing experience at the banquet listening to that phenomenal keynote speech. Welcome, Mr. Roy Samuelson. Thank you for coming to Sunday Edition. Thanks for having me. So good to be here. Absolutely. So I want to do a little bit of background and then we'll get into Kevin's process. But can you tell me how you originally got into audio description? What was the path like for you? Oh, thanks. Um, I am a voice talent. So I've been working in different areas of voiceover, whether it's animation or video games or commercials or promo for Uh, several decades, I guess. And when audio description opportunity came up for me to audition, the first experience was staying up all night after the audition. And it wasn't, did I get the job or not? But it was from the absolute excitement of being able to do this dance with a, a TV show or a movie. The dance that being able to be a part of the production, but not part of the production, to find that that perfect balance that an audience can be fully immersed into a story and, and try to find that ride that wave. So ever since then, it's been about 600 audio description projects that I've worked on. It's been a, it's been a blast and I just love it. How much interaction had you had with audio description before that first audition? None. None. Had you watched anything? Wow. Awesome. So what was about, this is about like five or seven years ago. And it was, it was just out of the blue. It was, you know, in the same way that, that some audio description audiences for the first time were like, Oh, I didn't know that this existed. It, it was the same for me. I didn't know it existed. I can definitely relate to that. I, I remember being at a convention last year and people going, you don't use audio description. I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to what? <laughs> <And, laughs> wait a minute. That actually exists. 
this is so cool. I got to go get right upstairs and find something. Um, but yeah. <laughs> so tell me, what was it like the first time you stepped in the booth? I mean, and they hand you a script. I, I obviously did my research. They hand you a script. You've got a bunch of time codes. There's a video screen there ahead of you. Were you nervous? Were you, you know, jazzed up? These are great questions. Um, every provider of audio description has their own nuanced way to do it. So I can share what one type of experience that I've had with uh, with audio description narration. Um, the script that I'm given has had probably a whole, well, it's definitely had a whole team work on it. It's uh, It's crafted to make sure that the audience is getting the best experience and getting, you know, the, the visuals access. And I love the example of a picture is worth a thousand words. A typical second of a film is if you go with 24 frames a second, that's 24,000 words to choose from every second. A full movie is millions of words to choose from. So the writers who are writing these audio description scripts are making very, very challenging and decisive decisions trying to figure out, okay, this is the story that this is the most important part and what's going to, what words are going to make sure that the audience is going to be staying in it. So even before, like just when I get the script already, there's been so much work put into it in the script that I have. It's, uh, it's obviously got the words that I say, but it's also got different cues and a cue is telling me when to come in and when to finish, whether that's an audio cue or a time code cue, which um, uh, would basically say at what point in the in the movie or the the TV show to jump in. So on the people's interview, those first couple of experiences, how many times did you blooper or uh, you know flub? I still am. It's still part of the. I've you know there's there's been times where I've come pretty close to doing a, a full script with no flubs, but it's very rare. Part of the part of the process in my experience is that, you know, I, I'm in most cases getting a script ice cold. I'd never seen it before. So there's going to be phrasing that might seem one way and it comes out the wrong way, or maybe I'm, I'm saying a, an accent uh, on a certain word where it, maybe another word should be accented or most importantly, and what concerns me the most based on audience feedback is the tone. If, if I'm riding the emotional wave of the scene in a way that makes sure that that's connected. And if for whatever reason, I'm not connected to the script in a way that's, you know, finding that balance, then the audience isn't going to be immersed in the story. And if the audience is paying attention to me, then I screwed up. So always those are the, the takes that I love to take over again and make sure that we get that just right. Cool. So I mentioned that amazing keynote speech a couple of moments ago. You know, there was so much feedback at in ACB for that speech. Tell us a little about the process of writing it. How uh, how many times did you go through that bad boy before uh, you were ready to record it? Uh, I just practiced it a, a dozen times, but for the last few years, I've really been researching for that speech. Uh, specifically, the uh, I'm part of the um, the Television Academy, the the Primetime Emmys, uh, the Performers Peer Group Executive Committee for the last five years. It's a fancy sounding title, but it's gotten me into some some events where I've met producers of uh, of television shows that have won Emmys or been nominated. And in the conversations when they ask, oh, what do you do? And I said, audio description. Inevitably, they lean in and are curious and like, 
wait, wait, tell me more, you know, in the same experience that you and I had when we were first introduced to it, that there's a real sense of opportunity and curiosity and interest. And that really set the tone for connecting and bridging the connection between the audio description audiences and the entertainment industry. And I was looking for where some of the inconsistencies were with, with audio description, as far as excellence and, and high quality. And, you know, soon you're going to hear from two families who work, <clears throat> excuse me, who work for audio eyes, who are, who model quality. But um, as far as the audiences go, there was an inconsistent experience that it's beyond just, does it, does this show have audio description or not? But there's a real immersive experience that can happen with audio description when it's done right. The, the phrase, nothing about us without us has been a huge influence for me. I'm a sighted narrator and there are teams of professionals and experts who are blind, who are contributing to this work and making it better, not just because they're blind, but because they're blind. In other words, this work needs to be done by professionals who are blind, who understand what it means to, to create quality audio description. And also the experience needs to be in parity with sighted audiences, whether that's the release time, the audiences who have audio description have at the same time as sighted audiences and also pass through. If you see it in the theater, I call it cinema to streaming. Do you also get that same experience when it goes to the television or if it goes to the, the streaming services? So there, there were a lot of nuances here that seemed really inconsistent. When I started talking to my friend Kevin about his experience in audio description, we really started connecting. And that was really the inception of, of creating something that would align these similar goals and help bridge the gap between our audio description audiences and the entertainment industry. And we are definitely gonna get to Kevin's process in a moment. But I have a question that had come from one of the listeners who listened to the audio description share that you and Chris and, and a bunch of other industry greats, <laughs> in my opinion, uh, did with Blind Pride International. And a question had come through, have you ever gone to something or sat in your living room and watched something that you had absolutely no involvement in? blindfolded to see the differences between your style of work and other styles of work. Absolutely. And you bring up a good point when it comes to styles that each voice talent brings their own approach to it. And each content has its own creative uh, style to it. Uh, a Quentin Tarantino movie is going to be different than the Flintstones that there needs to be a, a difference there. And, you know, that's where I think casting and, and uh, being directed, directing the voice talents are so important that this, <laughs> this really makes a difference. So when I've listened to audio description uh, in a, a project that I haven't voiced or, or put together, there's, I'm looking for that immersive experience if we can make an analogy to a radio play that those stories were crafted for the radio in mind. And I think there's a real similarity there with audio description, um, you know, especially in audio description audiences saying that, you know, this is great for sighted audiences as well as blind and low vision audiences, that there's a real sense of immersion. So when that narrator or the voice talent is bringing it and the script's written well, 
And the sound engineering has been done in a way that I don't have to fiddle with the volume, turning it up and down every time there's an explosion on the screen or somebody's whispering. That it's, uh, it's a fully immersive experience. I'm in for the ride, and I just love the story. Well, you definitely, uh, you're definitely one of the, the greats, and you take us on a nice ride for all the projects you've been involved in. Um, let's let's make our way slowly to Kevin. When did you start to go from taking this, you know, job by job to, hey, we need some, you know, we need some quality standards here. We need some advocacy here. When when did that start to happen for you? A few years ago, I started reaching out on social media, talking about audio description and actively searching for anyone who had ever heard of it. Uh, at that time, there were some different terms for it. It seems like audio description seems to be the uh, a really nice, consistent uh, phrase for what this is. But video description and descriptive video and... Uh, there were there were a lot of things that kind of made it even more complicated to, to seek out. But as I started to reach out, I started to meet more people who were familiar with audio description. And that had, by the way, a direct influence on me. This nothing about us without us. It's because of reaching out to audio description audiences that I actually learned how to improve my own technique and to make sure that I'm delivering in a way that's it's what the audiences want. So that feedback had a direct correlation to, to where, you know, I'm still growing that uh, I want to make sure I'm bringing the best that I can in every project that I, that I voice or, or whatever uh, it's, it does make a difference. So with Kevin, um, one of the things that struck me was his experience with audio description was <laughs> going on for years. And, he really cared about the quality that it wasn't just, Oh, this show has it. And that was the end of the conversation. He knew the voices of the different audio description projects. He was frustrated when a different voice was replaced halfway through a season. Mm -hmm. um, there were quality consistent quality issues. Like we said, those inconsistencies of that immersive experience for the audience that you know, it really struck him as frustrating that, you know, here's this nearly $10 million episode of television that's got uh, an experience that's that's not in parity with, with what was happening with the production. So those conversations were happening many times a week where whether it was a text or a message or a phone call and um, we really started diving into some of these inconsistencies and the nuances and, and, um, you know, with the, uh, there's a Facebook group called the audio description discussion that, that we, uh, that we talked about. And he basically ran it as a, a very quiet leader and facilitated one of the more, uh, engaging groups, very lively <laughs> conversations very lively, from, all, yeah. from all sorts of perspectives, whether it's the audiences or influencers, decision makers who are making decisions. It's conversations that have happened in that group have had direct impacts on, 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 pro on projects. And as more talents on all sides of audio description are participating or even observing, I think that, that there's a growth here towards greater immersive experiences and less inconsistencies. So sidebar question, did you guys ever talk about Chris Snyder and his um, prowess at audio describing? 
of course, the uh, <laughs> not only describing, but also engineering. Uh, one of the uh, I've done about 50 interviews with different distributors, providers of audio description and other talents. And uh, Chris was uh, among several of the, the first. And he spoke not only of, of voicing, but also engineering and the care and focus that he put in to to his approach. And like I said, you're going to hear from him and his family and and um, uh, Terry and Micah later on from from audio eyes's perspective. But Kevin called me after he heard that. And it was, I think, mutually really exciting conversation that, uh, you know, Chris had mentioned the audio description discussion group and, and some of the benefits that that are happening there. But also Kevin was talking about, I had no idea. I didn't know. And I think as the more of us engage in these conversations, this um, this podcast series, the Audio Description Narrators of America, Know Your Narrator series. Know Your Narrator is a terrible title because it's gone way beyond Know Your Narrator. It's like I said, we're interviewing other people. But what's happening is, well, we want audiences to become snobs about audio description. <laughs> we're encouraging that kind of curated right. approach. And you know, as one way to become a snob is to learn more. And I think Chris's interview is emblematic of that. Yeah, it's a dynamic interview. And we're going to definitely give an opportunity for you to plug the Know Your Narrator and some of the other podcasts that you've done. So let's let's jump right ahead. You and Kevin had a pretty amazing friendship from what you've, you've spoke about on other uh, venues that we've been involved in. And now the website and the project is called Kevin's Process. Take us through how it, uh, how it came to be. Sure. So back to those inconsistencies that audio description audiences face. And, you know, this was the core of the, the keynote speech is addressing each of these different perspectives of, of, of inconsistencies from so many different angles. And you know, it, it, when it comes to the discussion, it's kind of hard to not have a 20-minute to three-day intensive weekend talking about all the different aspects of audio description. And um, through the conversations with Kevin, I was thinking, what can we do to to simplify, kind of make a shorthand? What's a what's a good housekeeping seal of approval similarity to audio description that would really be a win-win for everybody involved, whether it's the audiences the creators of the content, the distributors, or even the audio description providers, the talents. Like, What is something that we can all agree on that can change the, the approach from, okay, what's the absolute least we can do just to put a check mark and say, okay, we did it, to incentivizing bringing the top quality of what audio description can be. And, uh, and that's how Kevin's process and, and, frankly, the keynote speech really hinged most of its uh, most of its content if you have not heard the keynote speech you can find it on kevin's process um and i absolutely absolutely say if you've not heard it you need to go hear it it was a dynamic interesting incredibly done uh piece you also during that speech gave us an example of um of well done and not so well done audio description which i think people would find uh people would find interesting to listen to as well. So now that the now that the website is up and running, now that you have the arm of advocacy going, where do you want to go with it? What you know, what what can we do to make to come together and make this happen for us? 
One of the dream goals of Kevin's process is bridging that connection between the audiences and the entertainment industry. And on kevinsprocess.com, there are links, uh, thanks to the audio description project, uh, to the different uh, providers of audio description, whether it's the distributors or uh, the vendors who create audio description, or even some of the production companies that are involved in it. And in most of my experiences, when people reach out and speak out and demand what they want, whether it's corrections like this doesn't work for me or even feedback that's like this was great i love listening to audio description in dolby atmos keep that coming that these kinds of positive feedbacks <laughs> you know as well as others are reinforcing um i'd like to do i have a, a minute or two to share a personal example of something that's happened recently yeah you sure do so i was approached by a company to uh, do audio description. Um, and I gave them some referrals of some other people that, that I thought would be really great. <laughs> and, um, they came back to me and said that they, they were interested in, in having an interview to hire me. And one of the questions I asked was, do you have a blind advisor on this, on this project? And they said, what? And I said, you know, a blind advisor, someone who's going to guide this work to make sure that it's of the standard that audiences want. So you've got a blind advisor, right? And they said, no. I said, okay, well, can you get one? Because at this point, it's it's feeling super hypocritical for me to be saying nothing about us without us as a sighted person and then taking a job that doesn't have a blind advisor. What can we do here? And they said, well, you know, pandemic, you know, our budget's already locked in. I'm like, that's fine. You can take it out of my salary. Just, you know, we need to make sure that this is happening. And they said, well, we'll have to run it up the flagpole and talk to the boss and the boss's boss. And then a few days later, they sent me the start paperwork to hire me and said, don't worry about your salary. We found room in the budget. And those words, we found room in the budget, tells me a few things. First of all, they had room yeah. in the budget. Second of all, that they recognized the value, that they became aware of the value and they took action. They did something. It wasn't about me bringing it up. It's about them taking a step because they recognize the value. So that really was emblematic of, of what I think Kevin's process is attempting to do is align these many different approaches, the many different organizations who are all advocating for, for high quality and excellence in audio description and kind of find a, a place to, to work together in a way that's, um, that's going to, to get accomplished what I think we all want to get accomplished. You know, my core listeners know that I um, am involved in Pride Connection, of course, but I also run a podcast that revolves around soap operas. And a couple of years ago, there was a popular actress on General Hospital that was like, oh, from her contract. And we had her on our show and we started a hashtag campaign. And 37 days later, they brought her back on another two-year contract. And the reason that I say this is because I think that um, there are members of our community who feel that we don't, our voices aren't, aren't listened to as much as some other voices out there, that our voices are not, are not paid attention to as much. And I know that industry professionals are looking at the audio description group. I know that they're definitely looking at Kevin's process and they're, 
they're floating around silently listening and watching watching what we have to say. Can you speak a little to that and some changes you might have come across in that kind of vein to inspire our listeners today? Sure. And uh, like I said in the speech, I think it's important to say that you shouldn't have to speak up. Sighted audiences get quality without even thinking about it. That should be how it's how it should be. And soon it will be for audio description too. But in the meantime, we need audiences to speak up and we need audiences to, to take that extra effort to, to say and demand what they deserve. And I think that companies are starting to recognize it. Like I said, soon you're going to hear from audio eyes and there's other companies that are that are now publicly saying we have in our system ways to make sure that we include blind people, not just as advisors, but also engineers, also voice talents and editing. Uh, there was a recent interview where there's even a, a blind uh, writer in the audio description. So that's, that's, that's a, a very unique and, and nuanced uh, approach. But the point is that there aren't limits when it comes to involvement of of blind talents and making sure that those talents are professional and make sure that they have the uh the training that that chris snyder has that many of these other uh voice talents sighted or blind have and making sure that those opportunities are there so i'm kind of going off a little bit on a, a tangent here but the the point that we are asking for with kevin's process is to speak up We've got some specific hashtags that, uh, like you yeah. said, that, that that had been very effective. And you know, blind people watch TV, blind people watch movies. Uh, Kevin's process that these these hashtags, as we start getting those out there, and this is driven by the audience. This whole thing, my own personal career has grown because I've listened to to the audiences who have said this works for me, this doesn't. And I've adjusted and honed my skills. So I really want to make sure that the audiences are getting what they want. And that's part of Kevin's process is making sure that the voices of our audiences are getting what they deserve. Why, right? Why isn't this just a paycheck for you? I've had experiences not only with Kevin but also personal friends where these inconsistencies are barriers to connection. I've heard of conversations. They're called water cooler conversations. And when someone has to say, wait, what happened? It, it disconnects. It disconnects from the conversation. It takes away from that connection. The experience. Yeah. And so that means a lot to me. The way that I grew up, I never felt a part of the, the group. I, didn't, I was an outsider. And at the time, the culture reinforced that almost on a daily basis, that I was not welcome and that I had to be whatever. And that was hard. So personally, I find that any anytime there's an opportunity to connect, the, that is, I mean, in my career, as I learned to be the best 
actor that I can be. It's all about connection. Who am I talking to? What are my intentions to that person that I'm talking to? How am I connecting? The connection is why audio description quality and excellence matters so much. It helps us connect. So I'm going to evoke Dr. Joel Snyder, no relation to Mr. Chris Snyder, who we're going to hear from in a little while, and the Audio Description Project. You've done, um, you've done a good amount of work advocating and, and helping to you know, reinforce the work that they're doing. We've got the hashtags. You mentioned Know Your Narrator. Where else do you want the listeners, where else do you want them to look? Where else do you want them to raise some voice and uh, you know, cry out for more and better quality obviously the adp.org slash i'm sorry acp.org slash adp google audio description project it is the resource of resources for audio description um that has i think over 4300 it's probably more than that titles of audio description listed it lists the different vendors it lists how to access audio description it is such a resource that has been dedicated so much time and energy and connection and, and relationships. Uh, the uh, kevinsprocess.com also has a bridge site, kevinsprocess.com slash bridge, where you can find uh, places to connect to either vendors or learn how to take action or learn how to get training in different aspects of audio description. And that's going to, to grow thanks to collaborations through all kinds of contributions. And, you know, obviously I, I find that the, the series that we have going, uh, it's mostly on Tuesdays and Fridays. We do want to create audio description snobs. <laughs> I think that's my friend <laughs> Melody uh, uh, coined that expression, but it's like our audiences deserve the best. And as we learn what that means, and I'm learning with every interview that there's so many golden nuggets that, that people are sharing about their approaches to audio description. Uh, this coming Friday, we're very proud to be featuring multiple writers. Last Friday, we had uh, engineers in audio description sharing their perspectives. And uh, I just heard from, a, <laughs> uh, from Jeff, one of the engineers that we interviewed, that he got some fan mail. So these kinds of connections really make a difference. And it's exciting to see that this connection is starting to happen. So uh, kevinsprocess.com, uh, the audio description project, just Google it or go to acb.org slash ADP. Uh, if you're on Facebook, the audio description discussion is a great way to get involved with a lot of decision makers and talents and also audience members who are quite sophisticated at this point, <laughs> as well as yeah. uh, uh you know, those, uh, those hashtags that we talked about. So, you know, here at ACB, we pride ourselves on being, you know, the leader for audio description, and we want to be the go-to organization for all things, all things low and no vision related, especially audio description. Can I ask what some of the other organizations out there, you know, are they on par? Are they paying attention as much as we are? I believe so. I think there's a, there's definitely, and you can see it publicly. There's a, there's a shift to recognize what audio description means. And that's not just uh, other organizations um, uh, within our, our blind community, but it's also the entertainment industry. The, there are, you know, in case in point that 
that company, the, uh, that's one example. And that's an anecdotal example. So as more engagement happens, I, I think we really are seeing a difference. Awesome. So in a moment, I'm going to open it up to, uh, I'm going to open it up for questions. But um, the last time we interacted on the Blind Pride uh, discussion, there are quite a few people who wanted to know how they could react and reach out to their voice crush, aka you. So can you give them a mode of of um, communication, an email address, or can they get you through Kevin's process? Sure. So um, our uh, our team at Kevin's Process can forward stuff. If you go to kevinsprocess.com, there's a contact page. Uh, that's that's one of other <laughs> of many ways. The uh, the website theadna.org, which stands for the Audio Description Narrators of America, theadna.org, has uh, uh, I think about fifty voice talents in audio description, and that's that's growing through contributions of audiences sharing what's there. It's become the audio description version of IMDb in a sense, as far as the um, as far as the voice talents go, but uh, can also be reached there. And for those who want to find others, uh, when there are publicly available websites of those voice talents, we're doing our best to make sure that those are included as well. And I hope that writers uh, do the same thing, that, you know, those are the the true celebrities of this work. And I'm really looking forward to to sharing these interviews coming up this Friday where the writers share their approach and each has their own approach some things are very similar some things are different but it's so fascinating to hear and i, I really can't wait to hear from uh, uh from terry and and micah and some of the other uh audio eyes teams uh coming up soon awesome byron my engineer extraordinaire and uh, co bpi member do we have some hands raised we do in fact we do um let's go ahead and start with carl carl i'm gonna unmute oh. you Audio description, Carl. And um, a box should pop up saying that uh, the host would like you to talk or unmute. Um, so go ahead and hit that button and you should be unmuted. Can you hear me? Yep. Hey, Carl. Hi. Hey, how are you? Good. Glad to hear you. What's your question? So, well, it's not really a question. It's really a plug. I wanted to add to Ray Roy's excellent list of places to learn about audio description. Brian Charleston and I, and I'm the co-chair of the Audio Description Project, are starting to do a bi-monthly podcast called Picture This, and that's just another resource. And we will be much like Roy, interviewing people in the industry and doing education and demos and that sort of thing. So I just wanted to give it a plug. But I also wanted to let Roy know that as co-chair of the Audio Description Project, we do hope to work with you in figuring out how we can collaborate with you on Kevin's process because that is something we want to see is in a minimum standard for quality. And we look very much look forward to working with you. Thanks so much, Carl. And your picture, this podcast, I'm on pins and needles to hear part two of Will's interview. Will from the <laughs> FCC. Yeah. And, and, and we just finished that today. And that one, he talked about the need for advocacy. So for all those consumers who are listening, advocacy is the key to everything. For, the, for more audio description quality, getting the word out there, everything. We can't do it without the consumers. Absolutely. We've had um, 
We've had Dr. Joel here. I've had Brian on another matter, but Carl, I'm coming for you and Brian in the next couple of weeks to do a follow-up to this very show. So thank you. Thank you so much. Um, thank you. I'll just mute myself, and I'm enjoying him very much. I can't wait to hear from the 15-year-old. That's the one I want to <laughs> Me hear too. <laughs> I want to hear what, what a young person thinks about your description, where they think it is their right versus where we grew up hoping for it. I can't wait to hear from her. Byron, who else do we have? All right, we have uh, two more. We have uh, Janine and Robert. So I'm going to go ahead and unmute Janine. And Janine, you should be able to unmute yourself now and then be heard. Hey. Hi. Thanks for calling me out, Anthony. So nice of you. (laughs) It's okay. It's okay. Hey, so I have a question for Roy. How do you feel? Because I recently went to IMDb to look up everything that you did voice ADP on audio description. And everything you've done is not listed. So how do you feel that they don't list everything that you've done? And how can we get them to list all your stuff? Uh, IMDb removed uh, hundreds of my audio description titles And when I asked them about why it was removed, they said that I don't appear in the visual credits. So I let them know that I read the visual credits and that this is access for our audiences. And I asked for a a 10 minute uh, connection with the decision makers who make that rule. And I haven't heard back from them. That's kind of the, the start of how the audio description narrators of America was launched to provide a, a way for audiences to contribute to the names of uh, voice talents that they hear in audio description and be able to, to start getting that conversation going. I'd love for IMDb to reinstate the credits. It would mean a lot to me personally. And also, you know, kind of make that connection a little more legitimate. And I know that there are some audio description voice talents that do have their uh, credits on IMDb. So there is a, a level of inconsistency there. Right. Uh, second part, how come when like in the, we have to wait all the way to the end of the movie to hear um, audio eyes voiced over by audio eyes, um, Roy Samerson or Mickey Mouse or whoever the narrator is, how come we have to wait till the end of the movie and we can't just say that in the beginning who the describer is? I think I'm going to punt to AudioEyes to address that once it's time for them because I'm okay, perfect. I'm at the point I'm a I'm given the scripts and mm-hmm. whether or not it has uh, credits at the end is is really outside of my. Uh, Can I uh, take or, that, Roy? This is Terry. Sure. Hey, Terry. Um, for a long time, we didn't get any credit. Yep. Anywhere. So we. We can now put our credits where they are at the end of the of the film, and so that's kind of we've made we've made strides to get that. Okay, I'm thank you guys. Another hashtag, hashtag AD credit <laughs> deserve or something like that. Yeah, mute me. Thank and you guys. Byron, thank you, Janine. Byron, you said there was one more. Uh, okay, yeah. Uh, so my question is has to deal with uh, um, in terms of clients and like how the relationship is is usually formed and everything so um 
So one of the common things I hear a lot is that um, clients are the ones who dictate, uh, you know, things like credits and um, uh, quality of the audio. Um, so why is it so that, like, for example, the clients are the ones who get to, um, you know, who get to tell you guys um, that, for example, your your quality of audio has to be lower. So why, because um, the clients are paying uh, you, so like, I, I'm going to guess, Robert, I'm going to guess, Robert, yeah. first that, you know, A, they're paying the bills and B, that this is a question more for Chris. Um, and when we come back from promo in a few minutes, Chris is going to speak. So we'll unmute you again um, in a little while when Chris is, is, is up there. But Roy, if you have anything that you want to answer based upon what he just said, please feel free to do so. I would like to address that. Uh, one sure. of the challenges and opportunities is that the uh, the clients, in most cases, and again, audio eyes will confirm if if this is correct or not. I hope they do. Is that it's the uh, it's the distributors, not the actual content creators. I've worked on several series where the showrunner of the series, who's a personal friend of mine, had no idea that I had voiced their series. There was such a disconnect between the content creators, the producers, the the actual company that made everything from the original buying of the script to filming it, producing it, casting the, the talents and mixing it. They handed it off to a different company. And in that system, that seems to work historically. That's been how things are going. So there, there's already a, a degree of separation from the, uh, the actual content creators to the the providers of audio description. And I can't wait to hear what uh, AudioEyes has to say about this. You know what, Chris, I'll jump right in um, since the questions, questions have been raised. Okay. Um, and I think uh, Terry and, and Micah, um, if you guys have comments on this too, um, the, uh, we don't, we rarely, uh, only when it comes to like independent films, um, do we get uh, in touch with the actual content creators for for the media? We we more often than not are receiving the media from a distributor, whether that is a production company or a network or a streaming service or or whatever it is. Um, and they they're checking a box about oh we need to have this described. Um, and and so uh, we're so far removed from the original uh, creators. Um, that it makes it very difficult to, um, you know, we have, we have to, we have to adhere to what the, the distributor wants rather than what the, what the, um, like original creator has to say. Um, this, this applies as well to, um, the, uh, the, the standards that a distributor might have versus what the content creator might have done there there's like for example <clears throat> the distributor might not want a mention of alcohol in their in their description and they may have told whoever is creating the description 
um, oh, we don't want any mention of that because there are children. And so we actually have to censor our, even if somebody's drinking a beer in the scene, sometimes that, that occurs and we have no recourse. Um, you know, we, we're, we're kind of muzzled by whatever it is they decide. In one case, I remember um, <laughs> where we did get in touch, where, where we had a, a, an interaction with somebody on, on a show, um, or, or via the distributor, um, we mentioned that a character uh, was a balding man, and we got a call <laughs> from the, from the distributor saying uh, that actor is very sensitive about his head and his hair, and we uh, we would really prefer that you not say that. So, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Taryn, um, if if uh, just I had one quick point. This is Micah. Um, about Hi, the Michael. placement. The, thanks, thanks for having me on. Uh, the placement of the credits. Uh, I also work in media localization, which is uh, subtitling and dubbing in foreign languages for media. And lots of the translator credits can be placed there. So it's, it's almost a, uh, like various, various forms of accessibility and localization. That seems to be a, a common place for people to be putting the credits. So to me, that's putting us on par with a lot of these other services that also are about helping make make the original program as widely available as possible. Awesome, thank you. So Roy, um, you know, the conversation that you had with Blind Pride International, Chris, um, and any other industry insiders is available to anyone listening who would like to hear it. Please send the show, celebrationac at aol.com, an email, and we will make that available for you. You guys had a awesome conversation on Know Your Narrator. You mentioned how to get to Kevin's Pride, but can you uh, can you throw out all of those all of those contacts again for us? And if you have any final thoughts, um, and please feel free to stay for the second segment. Thanks, uh, Kevin's Process dot com. Audio description project is acb.org slash ADP, theadna.org. And uh, you can find the Know Your Narrator. Know Your Narrator is also available on all major podcasts and platforms. And most of all, it's because of our audiences that I've begun to make our, our own connection that Nothing about us without us really means a lot to me and making sure that that is the focus that Kevin's process remains about our audio description audiences getting what they deserve. Uh, on behalf of, of all of the listeners out there, I would like to thank you for some amazing work for the passion that you put into it. I definitely want to thank you for coming to Sunday edition and working with blind pride and hopefully you will come back soon and we can uh, celebrate some wins. Anthony, Thanks so um, much. It's so great to be here. I really appreciate it. We do have uh, one raised hand. I don't know if you want to take that now or if you want to have them wait for the next opportunity, but it looks like Marsha's wow. got her hand raised. Just in case it's for Roy, let's go for it. And then we will go to our promo and come back. All right, Marsha? Marsha. Yeah, um, I just wanted to make a comment. Um, last year, I was going to see the Linda Ronstadt movie, and it did not have audio description. And I had actually several years ago, met the producer of it, James Keach at a film festival. So I emailed him about it. And he was like, um, 
that's is the distributor's decision but he's like i do want all my movies to be accessible for everyone so he did actually cc the people who were the distributors on the email and stuff so i think we just really have to reach out the best that we can when things happen and my other big thing i know movie theaters aren't open really right now but them, the employees at movie theaters, not knowing what audio description is, is <laughs> real. Yeah. And I've had to file, you know, a complaint against the movie theaters by my house because I can't tell you how many times I went to the movies and it never worked. That's all I have to say. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. All right, so Sunday edition will be right back with a family affair in audio description. Do you remember BPI? Oh yeah, Blind LGBT Pride International. They're a special interest affiliate of ACB. Yes, they are the ones doing all these cool things at convention. Guess what they're up to now? Do tell. Their own show. It's called Pride Connection. That's great, but what if I'm not a part of the LGBT community? This is a show for everyone. Actually, non-LGBT and non-disabled folks are known as allies, and they are a huge portion of BPI's membership. Everyone is welcome. So what kinds of topics can I expect from Pride Connection? Fun and relevant topics for everyone, from blindness to LGBT education, technology to advocacy, so when will Pride Connection take place? Every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Be sure to tune in so we can all connect and learn while having fun. Pride Connection on, on ACB Radio Mainstream. Those were our ACB Radio Managing Directors, Debbie Hazelton and Jason Castingway, who did an awesome promo for our other show, Pride Connection. Thank you so much to those two, and I am back. I'm going to introduce longtime ACB and Blind Pride International member Chris Snyder first. Welcome, Chris. Thank you so much for joining me again. Well, thank you, Anthony, for having me. You do an amazing job of describing the process from beginning to end, and I would like to put you on the spot and ask you to do it again for our listeners today. <laughs> All right. Uh, I want to preface this by saying that this is how AudioWise does it. Uh, not every company is alike, and certainly um, audio description companies are are not a monolith. Everybody kind of has their own um, their own thing that they do. Um, but I will I will give you what we do. Uh, the first thing is we get a, a show or a movie from a client. Um, we get the media, and sometimes, if we're lucky, we get a shooting script along with it, as well as uh, a subtitle text file, if there are subtitles in the project. Um, and then that is all that material is handed over to one of our writers, um, of, of whom we have four with us today. That's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and then they take the script, they take that material, they watch the program, and then they um, then they make another pass, and this time they write the description. Um, and uh, once they've written the script, 
uh, and they will uh, pass it off to a script quality specialist who is generally a sighted person. Actually, they, they really, in, for this for our workflow, they need to be a sighted person in this case um, because they then uh, read the script and watch the movie and look for inaccuracies. Oh, that's a blue dress, not a red dress. Um, you know, that's a, a Ferrari, not a Lamborghini. Um, you know, other kinds of inconsistencies. Oh, she's not opening a door. She's opening a drawer. They also look for typos. Um, and uh, once they're done, then they give it to a um, a description quality specialist who is by requirement in our workflow, a blind person. Um, and uh, he or she will uh, read the script against the movie and make sure that the descriptions make sense to them as a blind person, that they conjure the right images. Normally, we like to do that process uh, of the what we call the description quality. I'm sorry, the uh, the quality control process. We like to to have those the script quality specialist and the description quality specialist uh, together with the writer all at the same time, so that they all are in conference um, and uh, you know, with COVID that make it's, it's a little harder. Thankfully we do have zoom and uh, but you know, we, we, we want to make sure that, that the quality of the script is, is taken care of and that a blind person, at least one blind person, usually more than that uh, have had a chance to, to check it out before we send it to a voiceover artist uh, to, to then voice the script Um and we will put them in a vocal booth. Uh, our process, we don't usually we don't usually give the voiceover artist a monitor to look at the screen. We um, instead give them audio cues in the script so that and they and they get a little lead time before they speak so that they can kind of hear the context of the scene the way that a blind person would hear it. And they okay. uh, they then take the, uh, the, you know, they voice it and then they send, we send that to a, an audio engineer who, um, will edit the, uh, the voiceover into the, the project, take away the, the breaths and the mouth noises, um, because people have mouth noises when they speak and we, we try to make the VO as clean as possible. And then we, um, and then we mix it into the program, uh, depending again, this, this actually depends on whether it's going to a, uh, a movie theater or uh, or if it's going on to a streaming service or television or, or something like that um, uh, in the movie theater, they, the, the voiceover does not get mixed with the program. It actually just is, it just is by itself. It stands alone and it is piped then into headphones. But, um, but we didn't, you know, generally speaking, we give it to a mixer who takes the, the edited cleaned up VO and um, mixes it into the, um, the uh, the original program audio and uh, that that's all hand mixed. We don't do any kind of robotic mixing or um, use a description machine for that, uh, like some some companies do, uh, because that really kind of can jar you out of the process. And then um, then we hand it back to the client, um, and then they distribute it however they're going to distribute it. Awesome, thank you. So. Just out of curiosity, I, I met you last year at convention, and uh, I remember being a couple of weeks home and watching ABC, uh, was it Tuesday or Wednesday night programming, and I'm like, wait a minute, I know this voice. I know this voice. Who the heck is this? It was a couple of weeks later at uh, a BPI something or another that I was like, oh my God, it's him. So I'm just kind of curious, how often are you recognized vocally? Um. 
some blind folks get it. Some blind folks, you know, hear me and they're like, hey, I know you. I know you. You, you, you narrated Modern Family or Goldbergs or, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, you know, that's that's a kind of a neat feeling um, to, to, to be uh, recognized. But, um, you know, I, I would say I would say that, uh, you know, people people recognize. Um, our narrators, Roy, of course, uh, also is, is someone who is, is very recognizable as a narrator. And, um, I think it's, I think it's cool. You know, I like to interact with people who say, Hey, uh, that, you know, I recognize you from such and such. And it's, it's neat. So I definitely want to save the excitement, you know, keep people listening. So we're going to put, uh, Miriam and Dee on hold for a few minutes. I'd like to, I'd like to ask Terry to give us a little bit about her role and, um, you know, how she got into audio description and what she loves about it. Terry, welcome to the program. Terry Grossman. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, I got into this um, kind of general field of audio description through my uncle. He was a volunteer at the local radio reading service, and uh, I started reading the newspaper. And that then dovetailed into the Rose Parade in which um, the executive director had hired a professional describer who then couldn't come and uh, describe the parade. So my uncle and I did it absolutely cold. It was it was just terrifying. Um, And shortly thereafter, a wonderful woman moved from Atlanta and is an audio describer trainer. And so she trained a group of us to do live theatrical description at the local uh, theaters. And I did that for a while. And then the mandate came in and Rick uh, came to a play that I described um, and hired me to do video description writing. And so that's how it happened. You have some theatrical um, experience as well, right? Yes. Little. <laughs> Lots, a lot, uh, d- describing theater, yes. Not performing, I... never. <laughs> how, um, how different is it describing a theatrical piece than doing a movie or a television program? Um, we generally only get to see the play once. So you have to remember what happens if there's a sight gag or something. You need to figure out, you know, what you're going to do. It's a lot of thinking on your feet uh, because we don't use a a script. Um, I jot notes in the actual script they give me for the play of kind of things I'm going to say. But it's and it we use stylistically, it's different because we use sentence fragments. Right. Do you get and a lot of feedback? Video, from we don't. Theater? Do you get a lot of feedback from theater goers who who uh, listen to you know listen to you describing as the 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 show is unfolding? Um, is if uh, if access services doesn't uh, arrive early and take them away, then it's it's a lot of fun to talk to them um, at the end of the show and find out how they liked it. And um, if they didn't like the show, they didn't like the description either. How has that shaped you as as a writer and narrator? 
I I really want feedback from my audience, I guess, is what I would say. Um, nobody likes to be criticized. Um, that's just not human nature. But if I don't get feedback from my audience about um, this wasn't effective for me, um, I was confused here at this point. I didn't understand the connection between these characters. That was not clear to me based on the dialogue or whatever. That That is enormously helpful in improving uh, description, both live and, uh, and video. And of course, in video, um, you get to go through the whole thing with uh-huh. a blind colleague. And that's, that's enormously helpful. Tell us, a, tell us a little bit about what that looks like when that's, you know, happening. And tell us a, a little bit about how you go about your day of work, um, the different hats that you wear. Um, well, I will be assigned a, a project and um, I download the media because we use uh, downloadable files now. We don't use actual physical media, which is when I started. We had, dare I say, VHS tapes. <laughs> yeah, we had VHS <laughs> tapes. Um, and uh, so we would, you know, we now we, we do d- downloads, which is really helpful. Um, and then uh, you watch the project, see what it's about, and then you start writing. <clears throat> you take breaks when you need to. Um, some shows are enormously draining. Um, America's Funniest Home Video. Oh, God, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. It yeah. consistently takes five to six hours to write it. And you have to get up and walk around because it's an endless stream of adolescent and young men falling. Um, <laughs> dogs and cats, yeah, yeah, dogs and cats doing <laughs> funny things. Throw in the occasional, you know, child and baby, and it and there's just no dialogue. It just goes on and on and on and on. And so it it's really uh, an exercise in um, stamina to to do that particular show. On the other hand. Of the shows we do, that's probably the one that needs description the most. Absolutely. It's it's unintelligible without it. Why would anybody with vision loss watch that show without description? It it's would be too frustrating. I have to say, I you know, Sunday night has always been my relaxed night, and um, I have watched a couple of episodes. And you guys do an amazing job. So kudos to you. Um, you, it's a family affair today on Sunday edition. You brought with you someone special. And, I did. Uh, why don't you introduce him and tell us a little about him? <clears throat> well, my, um, this is my son, Micah. And um, he, uh, had a, he was a creative writing major in college. And... This opportunity came, uh, I was uh, working on, I think, my second film and uh, asked him if he would perhaps be interested. And he talked to Rick and Rick thought that was an interesting idea. So Micah was an intern for a couple of movies. And then uh, we got a title called uh, Dinosaur from Disney. And dinosaurs are his favorite thing when he was a child. And so I said, why don't you write that one yourself and I'll come in and, um, you know, 
listen to what you've done and make any suggestions. And he wrote, uh, the first seven minutes of the film have almost no dialogue. Two sentences. Yeah. <laughs> and so it is description, description, pretty music, pretty scenes, dinosaurs and terrain and so forth. And he read me what he'd done. And I said, OK, well, you're done. You don't need me for anything. So, wow. yeah. So that's Micah. Micah, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank for you. Coming. Thank you for having me. Thanks. Th thank you, Mom. That was that was really nice. <laughs> well, let's turn the tables. Tell us about what it was like to watch Mom work before you got involved. So she like, she she'd been involved with uh, Los Angeles Radio Reading Service for years and years, along with my uncle Max, and she'd been doing you know, going out and doing the uh, theatrical description plays, ballets, operas for several years before. Uh, a test uh, was given by the networks for when the, you know, the Mayday comes out and the networks have a test to see who's going to, who will be the vendors that they will try to get audio description through. And so the first, a different writer was brought in by Rick and we had a QC and it was just, everything about it was very chaotic and, and very stressful. And, and despite all that, I thought the work was interesting. And so and when he when he came back and, and gave my mom more work, I started watching her and it's like, this is interesting. I, I think I'd like to try this. Um, it didn't hurt that, you know, I graduated college in summer of, 01, you know, uh, June of 01. And then three months later, 9-11 happened. <laughs> so yeah. fine. trying to find a job was not always easy. So this this became a very interesting prod, uh, prospect that was going to be a lot more stimulating than, you know, working retail or something. Um, Got got started doing it. Started getting interest interest interested in, in a big way. Uh, really enjoyed working. Like uh, I met Chris on our first the first QC we did, which was for Small Soldiers, I believe. And so that was that was literally how he and I met twenty odd years ago, and been working working together since. And so from I just really enjoyed it. You know, it just I just kept pestering Rick for more work because I couldn't get enough uh, writing work. So. Let me do quality control for other scripts. Let me be the script quality during the voiceover. Oh, okay, I've been watching the director. I think I can direct a voiceover. Let me try that. Oh, okay, I've been watching the uh, recording engineer as I've been directing a voiceover. I think I can do that. Hey, I think I've been doing recording enough. I want to try editing. This is fun. Let me try mixing. And so it got to the point where I can do start to finish audio uh, description production. I can write, quality control, voice, record, edit, mix, deliver to client. Well, you just answered my next question. I was going to phrase it something like, I'm sure mom would definitely say, and I'm pretty sure Chris would agree that you're a, a jack of many trades and a master at just as many. Um, tell Thank us you. exactly what hat you wear. Um, I, so I, I, uh, so I write description. I am, they let, they really enjoy having, uh, when we try to do the QCs, I, they really like having me do as many of those live QCs as the SQ because, uh, I just had a lot of experience with this, so it's I, the the whether it's a new writer or a new DQ, uh, it's 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 a good resource for them to have somebody with experience to bounce a lot of questions off of as they're trying to try to learn learn the ropes and learn from the kinds of experiences that Terry and Chris and I have already encountered over two decades of doing this. So, um, so that that's a big part of it. Uh, I still voice uh, when I do Shark Tanks. That's still the consistent show I voice. Um, I haven't been doing a lot of editing in a while. Uh, it's, it's, it's been, 
I think we've already upgraded uh, our Pro Tools since the last time I was regularly doing editing, so or mixing. So I'd, I'd probably need a refresher, but I, you know, it's I I work there uh, as well, doing trying to help out Rick with some of the project management and just other other ideas, trying to help move things along. Tell them who Rick is. I, I of course know, but the listeners may not know oh, who you're right. referring well, to. Oh, right. Well, Rick Boggs, who is the uh, founder of, and general manager of Audiwise, he founded uh, WeCTV two decades ago, and that was the company under which Chris, Terry, and I uh, all came together and working working together with Rick. And, and Jack. And Jack Patterson. I, I, yeah, didn't want to leave him up. But just he wasn't he wasn't in on the call here. Um, <laughs> We so you know Rick was a audio engineer for years and years. He had been on the WGBH Consumer Advisory Board, something to that effect, with about audio description. So he had a lot of he had a lot of experience on the quality side as well as the technical production side. And so somebody, when the mandate came out, somebody said like, "Rick, you have a private studio. Why don't you, why don't you get involved in doing description? You know so much about it." And so that that was what started the ball rolling, and then. As that ball kept rolling, it picked up Terry, which who picked up me, and picked up Chris and Jack, and you know we're we're still we're still going at it. So I I have to ask, switching gears for a second, can you can you experience a program or a movie without internally kind of still working? What would I do? How would I do oh, it? Cetera, oh, it, it took a while. It th- th- yeah. there was like the first year or two for sure that was happening all the time, all the time. Uh, I've, I've since been able to turn that part of my, my brain off when I'm just, I just want to entertain and enjoy this. But there are times where you're watching something spectacular, dazzling, and it's like, wow, how would I do that? How, 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 I would, how would I try to convey that? So it, it never completely goes away, but it, it, it's not, it doesn't take over <laughs> the way it might have in the, in the first days. So I want to ask both you and your mom, um, back catalog kind of thing, you know, if you could go back in time and what would your dream project to audio describe be? For me, as uh, someone who grew up reading Tolkien with my, with my father, it'd easily be Lord of, Lord of the Rings. That's all right. I don't, to, I don't even think hard about this. Sorry? Uh, the West Wing or Breaking Bad? See, that's Good smart. Choice. You get you get more hours if you do that. I should I should have picked a TV show just to get more hours. Well, I didn't say you were going to get paid. I just said it was a dream project. Hello. All right, guys, definitely stick around. Did I... I? I'm sorry. Hello. Yeah, I, I lost I lost you guys for a second, but I I, I hear you now. So. Okay. Yeah, I think I lost the two for a second. Good old Zoom. So we <laughs> please stick around, but I would like Chris to introduce his amazing guests. Well, um, today we have with us uh, the incredible mother-son duo of Terry and Micah. We also have uh, the mother and daughter duo in the Snyder family. My co-parent, Miriam, who is an excellent description writer um, in her own right, and uh, she has actually also voiced a few things as well. Um, I think I think everybody on this uh, from from the audio side has done some narration um, more more some more than others. Um, uh, and uh, and our daughter, Didi, is also here. She's um, 15 and she has uh narrated she started out narrating um 
a few uh, of our programs that we felt would be uh, well cast with a uh, child voice. And so she started doing that. I think when she was, I, I want to say like 11 or 12. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, and then just recently um, she's, she's involved in a dance company that's called infinite flow and in, an inclusive dance company. And they are uh, a combination of wheelchair and uh, able-bodied uh, dancers. And, um, and they have, uh, expanded to include blind dancers and deaf dancers and all kinds of different groups. And um, she was involved with that as a dancer. And then um, <clears throat> when they started making videos uh, to put on the web, the uh, creator of the dance company uh, asked to have them described, of course, for accessibility purposes. And um, Dee Dee took a stab at it and did a, just a beautiful <laughs> job. Um, and, uh, and then recently she has started working with us and uh, has started writing. Um, she wrote her first movie the other day, a documentary. So it's pretty cool. Congrats. We can't say the name uh, just, just as a, a preparatory. We are not allowed to do that, but um, <laughs> yeah. So um, I will, I will gladly take pride in when it comes out saying, Oh yeah, she wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I did my research and I went and experienced two of, um, of her voicings and I was extremely, extremely impressed and giggled a lot. Um, <laughs> I think there's going to be some questions for her in a few minutes, but Miriam, welcome, welcome, welcome. I was wondering if you could give us a little bit about your journey into this and what your workflow looks like. Um, I, my journey into this is um, I've, like like Chris said, I'm a co-parent with him, so we've been um, raising children together since he was with. But when he and Tara, Terry and Micah were with WeCTV, so I've always sort of been around description. And a few years ago, uh, there was a lot of work coming in, and. Uh, they sort of said, hey, we need help. Can you write this? And so I was like, I can try. And Turns out you're good at it. <laughs> yeah, that's basically, that was the training I had at first. Um, write this, okay. And then, and then I eventually got official training. Um, but I had been around it a lot and had, and had heard everything that you're not supposed to do. So I had had the do nots in my head while I was writing it and that and so my first thing I wrote was the white rat rabbit project was that it oh yeah yeah, yeah that's right very yeah. challenging yeah so, which was really interesting to do but it was sort of a it was a fun documentary type of a thing and um then I started doing more sitcoms so my my workflow now is a lot of movies and a lot of sitcoms and things depending on what happens with production this coming year and that's really where I am <laughs> <laughs> yeah Miriam does a lot of quality control work for us yeah too. I do a lot of the quality she she gets the newer writers and she then goes over their scripts and gives them uh, a lot of feedback uh, for their development which is enormously helpful I, I think a lot of people are interested in the quality control and 
in having someone who is not not sighted or low vision as a part of the process. So feel free, whichever one of you or all of you want to step up and can you tell us some more about that? And and that's been that's been a, an audio wise. Um, it's been from the beginning, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I know for me personally, whatever, I, I think I had some aptitude, some skill for description, but I know that my development was hastened rapidly by getting so much uh, attention to my scripts, whether it was from Chris, whether it was from Rick, whether it was from some of our other DQSs, that has really, I, th that, that kind of constant feedback and, and helping, helping correct just some of the misconceptions or, 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 or blind spots, pun intended, for that uh, sighted people might have, uh, just help, keep, help me avoid some of those things as well as just help me hone in and, and just find better language and better choices. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think our quality is, is in, in no small part, in fact, almost entirely because we have such talented, uh, passionate, blind people who can help, help be the, be the, the sentinel. This is how we do this right. So Miriam, Terry, Micah, um, what is something that you found surprising that you learned from the quality control experience? What is something you never would have thought of that you ended up working into, you know, into your routine or, or that you looked at, you know, heard and looked at and said, wow, I never would have imagined that or, or, or thought that way. Oh, that's a challenge. Just one over 20 years, huh? We had uh, a hand gestures, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. good one. Yeah. Um, people doing gestures. In fact, I had a script that came across my desk the other day and he gestures was the description. It's like, okay, he gestures how? That's not sufficient description. You need to tell me more about it. Um, so hand gestures are really challenging and we've... Um, spend a lot of time on trying to do them so that they're understandable. And it's a, it's always kind of a challenge. Um, Micah did a, uh, wrote a, a movie where the lead character was deaf. And so there was a lot of signing. And mm. as, as part of his description, he was able to work in some of the general signs for some of the things that were signed frequently in the show. And it was really, really, you know, really fun. The the first draft of the media that I got wasn't finished with the subtitling for all the ASL. And so there were sections where I didn't realize if there was going to be a conversation or not that was going to be subtitled that I would have to do. So I just described the entirety of their of, of the actual physical manifestation of the signs as well as I could. Once the subtitles come in, we realized we don't have room for all of this, so we, we had to cut back a lot, obviously. But we did try to keep some of those, some of that stuff that had come in from that first draft. But that's just part of some of the weird challenges that we'll have is you get a first draft that's incomplete, and so you don't realize there's going to be additional text on screen or additional other things that you'll then have to account for later on. Also, the English uh, – the, the, well, I shouldn't say English. We, the, um, the gestures – in relation to um, like the the things that sighted people take for granted, uh, like call me and and oh, other yeah. kinds of, you know what I mean? Like those types of things are. Well, you go take it, Mike. Talk about that. I I, I I can't remember what the movie was, but I do remember somebody literally makes the you know flashes a call me sign, which is for people who 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 don't know. 
take your fist, extend your pinky, and raise your thumb. And so you, you can hold that, that shape yeah. to your ear and your mouth, and that it, it's enough of an of a old phone receiver shape for sighted people to understand that gesture as, I am telling you, call me later. It's, it is a very universally understood symbol at this point. But of course, if you're not sighted, and if you've never had sight, unless someone tells you this, you're not going to know about it. And so for Chris, he learned about this through that QC. Like that was how it came up. And so that, and that became an interesting conversation of what kinds of signs, what kinds of, of, of gestures do people make that are universal enough that we, should, that we can just refer to them by that, say, by that term. Um, yeah, so like that, that's that that becomes an ongoing conversation that you just, you won't know until you're in a new a new QC situation where somebody brings up a question like wait wait what does that mean? Oh, I thought everyone knew that. Okay, well, we have to work over this now. <laughs> this the is... mind blown gesture is another one. Yeah. 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 So can you tell us a little bit about um, different kinds of smiles or sneering, furrowed brow, the language of of you know facial expression. How do, how do you guys approach that? And I, and again, I want to stress that this is audio eyes. There are other companies out there who do things differently, but uh, guys, take it away. We have a tendency to um, discourage uh, interpretation of the characters. Uh, we train and we say, okay, you've decided that this character in this setting is, um, is angry. So what do you see that tells you that he's angry? Um, oh, well, he's clenching his jaw. And it's like, great, then describe that. And that with the context should let our, ed our audience know that this, is, this character is angry without us having to actually say that. Um, other companies uh, are more interpretive. Uh, gosh, Chris, what was that one where they... You brought up that they were constantly doing something. Oh yeah, he clearly wears... loves his family. Oh God, there's <laughs> <laughs> that's the most extreme. But there's you know he wears a conflicted look. Okay, what does mm -hmm. that mean? <laughs> he wears a thoughtful expression. Okay, again, how that's is that really what he's doing, or is he spacing? I mean, how do you know? Right. Um, one of the most egregious, of course, was uh, was a movie. I can't remember which one it was, but he he gives her a look that says go. That says what? go. What? <laughs> <laughs> so also when, you know, and I don't know if you've ever done him specifically, but someone like a Jim Carrey who has, you know, a multiple <laughs> of body gestures, facial <laughs> expressions. Walk us through a little bit what, what that looks like. Harry, this is you. How do you approach yeah, that? Yeah, this and, is and... definitely me. I, I described liar, liar. Okay. So can you, can you give us some inside tips on back behind the scenes? Work? Well, it's, it's always outrageous um, and always over the top. And so your language is very expansive when you, when you work with him and it's, you know, you exaggeration doesn't really exist with Jim Carrey. So mm -hmm. you, have, sure. you have to think about that. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember describing the bathroom scene where he goes in the bathroom <laughs> and he's whacking his head with the toilet seat and running into the wall. And it was just a really funny scene. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. And at least it's real unlike animation 
Yeah. Which can, which can have completely unreal things that break all of the rules of physics in our universe and then become really, really challenging. They're very fast uh, and there's no time to describe them. And so that's a real frustrating, um, can be a real frustrating endeavor. Other projects, you know, especially animation, are there projects where you just can't give us everything? Oh, absolutely. Most. I, I would say almost <laughs> every project. Yeah. Um, sitcoms, they go too fast. There's all kinds of visual humor that goes on. Um, and we just, you just have to let it go. Otherwise, we'd be trotting over the entire show. Yeah. Yeah, it's something you have to train people to. They're saying, but, 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 you know, this is happening and that's happening and that, and it's like, yes, yes, it is. But, you know, there's no time to describe it. So you can't. Yeah. All the time. Has there ever been discussion about having, you know, layered, I guess, maybe for like DVD releases and stuff, having layered where you could go back and get different perspectives? Um, there was a real interesting uh, discussion on the ADP list about uh, the description of Hamilton from Disney Plus and many people wanting more. And I was listening or reading these com these conversations and I can see that that could have been an interesting choice had somebody suggested it to um, the distributor and said, for this, because you can play it again, because it's streamed, you can play it again. So therefore, you can listen to it without the description at all and just enjoy the music, which is very operatic. Um, or I can trot over the dialogue more and give you more description with an, an explanation that that's what we're going to do. And that mm -hmm. would have been an interesting choice and I think would have served some um, audience members well. Yeah. I, but how much is God, too much? You know, you get into the how much is too much. Uh, we did. We did. I want to, I want to say this and, and I'd like, um, we, when, when we, when we first started back in the early aughts, um, we had a section of our website dedicated to what we called extended description. Um, and Micah and Terry were largely responsible for that. And they, uh, they, they described the settings of, uh, uh, we did that 70s show. So they described like, Oh, this is the basement. This is what it looks like, you know, and, or, you know, this is a, a detailed physical description of this character. Um, I think we, did you guys do that for daredevil as well? I can't remember. Yeah, I think um, we yeah. did, and we did. We did, we did that '70s show, and and particularly Micah did it for Dinosaur. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Because because we had so because they especially because they had a lot of really exotic species of dinosaurs that they were using. They weren't using the 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 most popular, most common ones. So I yeah, that's right. So I'm going to ask one more in this vein: flashbacks. Um, those must be extremely challenging, especially a, a movie or a show that's heavily driven on back and forth between yes. flashbacks. How do you approach that? Um, we try to do it uh, in relation to the character. Um, John recalls rather than saying flashback. Uh, but sometimes we have to. Frequently, we're given an audio sound that lets you know that this is something a little otherworldly. 
Um, but I had one show where they would give you that audio sound sometimes, but not all the time. Which that must have been frustrating. Oh, it's very uh, inconsistencies absolutely make me crazy uh, because it makes it difficult to keep the description um, consistent and and under you know sub rosa the description is just supposed right. to be there. It's not supposed to call attention to itself, but sometimes you kind of have to. So that's kind of how we handle flashbacks. Um, we have had clients insist on saying flashback. Okay. And, and then occasionally about- we also do like white flash. Like if there's a, if there's an actual flash on screen, we've done that a few times where yeah, injustice where he was especially when he was visualizing the the, the crime scene. Yeah. What about the use of language and pronunciation and things? Oh my gosh, pronunciations. Um, We're not given a lot of time as a rule to do our work. Um, So getting in touch, as Chris mentioned, getting in touch with the um, content creators to get the the pronunciations can be challenging. Um, And then... um, sometimes we can't get them at all and we have to make our best guess. And that's real frustrating. And I know it's frustrating for the audience. Um, if particularly if they are familiar with whatever the language is or the, you know, the name or whatever. Um, but we just, we're not given weeks and weeks and weeks to do this. And we're not given all of the um, information we would like to begin our work. When, when we, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Kurt. No, go ahead, Chris. I was just going to say, when we when we have a character pronunciation situation, if that person's name is pronounced in the show, um, then our writers are uh, will put a um, a pronunciation, uh, you know, at the end of in the notes of the the script for the voiceover artist. Or um, as we do everything with audio, um, since our process was designed specifically for description rather than as a as an offshoot of something else um we will the writer will put a time code in this is this name uh, is pronounced at you know five minutes and 38 seconds into the show or whatever so that that, that the week you know the engineer can then go over there and and play the pronunciation for the voiceover artist um so that they can do it correctly that was exactly i'm a man to make so thank you chris <laughs> I'm imagining something like like a very glaring example, Mary Poppins, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. I mean, I would imagine sitting down and trying to write the AG script for that must be must be fun. Um, so we're building a Sunday edition Sunday, and we're going to come up to the whipped cream. A the cherry, of course, will be DD. Chris, I know that Audio Eyes and you yourself are a huge proponent of hiring visually impaired or blind. So can you talk a little about that before we introduce Dee? Well, uh, yeah, uh, I think as Roy said uh, at the beginning of this whole thing, the idea of nothing about us without us is, has taken root in the, particularly in disability culture um, and, and in the disability community. And AudioWise has, has been that way since the beginning. In fact, at the very beginning, uh, we did our best to exclusively hire disabled actors to voice uh, our shows. And uh, um, we, you know, we still prefer to hire, uh, you know, blind or, or disabled uh, VO artists when possible, uh, when they're available. And um, 
with COVID that's, that's made it more challenging, but it's also opened up a few more opportunities, you know, for people who have their own setups at home, you know, with pro quality microphones and gear and whatever. Um, there's, there's, there's ways to do that. Um, we, uh, the description quality process, the, the, the quality control uh, in our company requires a blind person in the, in the process. Um, we, we, you know, unless there's an extraordinary time crunch, we insist that a script uh, be viewed by a blind person uh, to make sure that it is absolutely something that can be understood and, and um, imagined in the mind. Um, you know, in, in some cases when there's no time, I'll produce the show uh, on purpose. You know, it's not just my turn. I'll just, I'll, I, I produce it so that there's somebody um, who is looking at this to make sure that, that it makes sense to blind people. Um, the it's, it's so important. It's just, it's just vital. You know, um, there, there are companies out there who've been doing this for years who still to this day, just bring in a blind person, person, um, as we say, post-mortem, um, after the show's already been shown, it's on the air or it's out the movies or whatever. And they like, Hey, how was this? Was that good? And even if the blind person says, well, no, there was this, this glaring problem. It's too bad. It's already gone. You know, we, we, it, it's so important that we do it at the outset. So the little or not so little boys and girls out there who may want to get into this line of work, what suggestions can you throw out to them? Um, I would say go to audioize.com and and drop us a note um you can you can email me at chris at audioize.com or uh our our general manager who is also blind um by the way our company was founded by a blind person who who also was the person who made it possible for pro tools to be accessible on the mac in the first place rick boggs um his email is rick at audioize.com now he gets a million of these a day uh not just I mean, a million emails in general. So he, you know, may or may not get be uh, able to respond quickly. Um, I I try to do a little better because my my emails a little less. But I'm also still in the I'm I'm one of the production uh, managers, so I get a lot too. Uh, just be patient with us, and we'll get to you um, if you want to get involved. Yeah, uh, I would say watch a lot of description. Absolutely. And, and think about think about what you've heard. Can and, you give us a couple of titles that you think, you know, are stellar to watch if if you are looking to transition into this kind of work? Uh, what have we done? Dinosaurs. <laughs> Dinosaur dinosaurs pretty is, yeah, still pretty good. I'm uh, not sure I, that that's actually I available. I don't know if anywhere. it's available. Um, oh, Mad Men. Mad Men. Oh, yeah. Mad Men's not bad. <laughs> Mad uh, Men is good. Uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Sword of Destiny is a, is another uh, one that was extraordinary. Um, I felt the description was excellent. And basically all of the production processes of that show, I'm, I think our, our company should be extremely proud of. I'm going to throw out there uh, the Goldbergs and Grace and Frankie. Who, oh, Grace and Frankie, yeah. <laughs> Grace and Frankie is just such quality as far as I'm concerned. And, and the Goldbergs as well. They're so, I, you know, lost my sight a little over four years ago. So I remember what the Goldbergs looks like and how much 
you know, can be going on at one time. And, and oh, yeah, it's, it's a really, crazy, really the crazy, work. crazy show. Yeah. 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 It's hard for the quality from just because there's not a whole lot of description actually happening. <laughs> I, I love writing it. Don't get me wrong. It's just that there's not a whole it, there's so much talking in that show. That you, <laughs> I, I have to say, you strike the tone. You give us, you know, having having seen it, literally seen it and watched it with audio description, the flavor, the the the, the heart of the show still comes through, and some of the you know some of the sight gags that you do get in are are written really well. So I didn't realize that was you, Miriam. Awesome. Um, and now the other the other thing, uh, Anthony, before before we move on is is. Um, I want to. I want to also point out that if you are interested in in description quality, um, understand that you'll if if you want if we uh, are able to bring you on, you would need to go through training. We don't just you know grab somebody some blind guy off the street and go, hey, come here, watch this. Um, there's there's actual <laughs> training um, that goes into this. We talk about the um, internationally agreed upon principles of description. We talk about. Uh, uh, what's you know we we train you we train you in, into understanding the process and the uh, constraints and the um, just the you know the aspects of it so so you know there's there's training involved for sure. All right, so let's get to the cherry. Proud parents, Chris and Miriam, could you please introduce our little star? Well, as I mentioned, she's uh, she is uh, a, a freshly minted description writer, and uh, um, she kind of grew up with description. Obviously, uh, having a blind dad and uh, and then a writer, uh, description writer mom. Um, she uh, heard the bad stuff come out, and and hear you know heard me complain about oh my god, I can't believe they just did that. And then she started to complain when she heard it herself and was like, why did they do that? Why would they ever say that, you know, that horrible, what, what, why would they use that language? It doesn't make sense. Or this is completely inaccurate. And I said, you know, I think you might be good at that <laughs> writing this. <laughs> and, um, and so when she got involved with infinite flow and they, they asked her to write, she did. And, and, you know, she didn't get, I, I think Miriam gave her some feedback. Um, yeah. And then, but- the director or she the director asked me and I asked Dee if she wanted to write it and um Dee said yeah <laughs> so Dee welcome hi thank you for having me thank you so much for coming so as your dad just said you grew up um being an unofficial audio descriptor for him um when did you, you know, when did you know that this was something you wanted to do? Or was it just an, an osmosis kind of thing and it just all kind of happened? Um, it kind of was a little mix of both. I, I grew up with it and then my mom started to work on it as well. And I just kind of followed along. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I, um, <laughs> I got that job from my dance director and it just, it was so fun to ha- to be able to help with 
the inclusivity of of dance videos and then eventually rick offered me a job it must be amazing um when you got that first check uh you know <laughs> in this day and age i'm sure it was probably a direct deposit but you know, how did you feel when, you know, when the finished product was done and it was like, wow, you know, I did this from start to finish. This is mine. And now I'm getting paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> it, it felt really, it felt amazing. It, um, it was definitely very exciting and, um, you know, just made me feel very content that I, I pushed through and I, and I finished this thing. And now people are saying that they really enjoyed it. I want well, to see that I her really first, her first, uh, her first check came from the narration. Yes. And, 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 you know, maybe, uh, how did that feel D when you got your, your first narrations? Like, Oh my God. Right. <laughs> yeah, it was great. And it, I was, really lucky to have you uh, pointing me and being like, no, you have to like, this is the context of what's happening. So you need to be, you need to have this kind of voice for this scene. So age wise, you were a little kid. Um, what was it like the first time you heard your dad coming through the TV? I don't even remember. It was, I, I <laughs> First time I remember my dad coming in from the TV was he did he voiced a character on Handy Mandy Handy Manny. Um oh, yeah. And I'm gonna I'm gonna have to check that out. Well, I did listen to two of your projects. How is it the first time you heard yourself coming through the screen? Did you cringe? Were you like jumping up and down like, yeah, I did it? I cringed a little bit. It's weird hearing your own voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I am going to open up for some questions. I am sure there are a bunch out there. Didi, thank you so much. And you can definitely get a listing of some of the things that Didi has done on the blurb for the show that was put to the list. And if anybody wants um, the credits, some of the credits that all of my fabulous guests have done and you did not catch the blurb, you can email me at celebrationac at AOL.com and I will forward that to you. Byron, how many hands do we have? Well, while we wait for hands to go up, I just wanted to um, ask Didi a question because um, Chris let me try my hand at descriptive audio way back in like near way back in the 2006. Um, uh, there was an episode of Malcolm in the Middle, and he said, "Hey, why don't you why don't you try narrating it?" And so I'm sitting at his computer. It's not my computer. The font size isn't the way that I like it. I'm I'm nervous. It's my first time, and I want to go back and re-record and re-record and re-record. And I I went through the script once, and he goes, "All right, that was good." And I'm like, "Yeah, but I want to go back over it again." And do no, 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 that's fine. You did a good job. No, no need. So my question for Didi is, has, has your dad, like, have you ever, like, really, really wanted to go back and, like, you know, fix things with a fine-tooth comb? And your dad's like, nope, it, we, we got to get it done, and, and it, it was good, and that's it, and you don't need to work on it anymore. <laughs> I think 
once or twice there were a few lines that I, I were like, well, I don't know if I said that right. And most of the time he'll let me go back and do it again if it's just a line or two. But there was, I don't remember when, but it was one time I was like, that did, I don't know if that sounded right. And he's like, no, you did great. It's fine. Let's go on to the next one. And, yep. uh, you know, I get it from the, uh, the editing and the, the mixing standpoint where you're like, well, that was fine. I can I can place this better after, and then we'll fix it in post. Yeah, fix it in post. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. that's one of my favorite things. You, to you say. would be surprised how often we do that too. Yeah. Um, you would never know it to listen to it at the end in the finished product, but there's a lot of times when you know what you hear is definitely not what came out. Um, <laughs> So if, I have had to construct a word out of sounds. Yes. <laughs> if, if people have we, questions, we, my, one of my fellow engineers called it a Franken edit. We, that, yeah. we do Frank, Franken edits. <laughs> I, I once constructed an entire sentence because uh, the, the, sh the final video came in and they changed a freaking scene on oh. us. Like it was, it was not what was originally there. And the voiceover artist had, uh, had been, was out of town and there was no way to get him back to do the thing and and i was like oh crap okay so i gotta find a way to make this work <laughs> <laughs> so have you have so you guys ever had a situation where um you know a, a you guys made it all the way through the process of of writing the script and then recording the script and then editing the script and proofing the script and everything and then uh there's a mistake that nobody caught and it's out there now. And every time you hear it, you kind of cringe. Because I had that when I when I uh, did my own amateur description of the movie UHF starring Weird Al Yankovic. I, I said, <laughs> this movie doesn't have description in it. So I'm going to describe it myself. And I said, um, you know, the Indiana Jones, the, you know, the, the mustached and curly haired Indiana Jones, uh, you know, his head rotates 360 degrees well then somebody said no it rotated 180 degrees and i'm like no oh! <laughs> yeah we've all we've all done that yep there are mistakes out there in the universe we try not to think about them yeah tell right. me dd like michael are you gonna put on some more hats you've written you've definitely narrated are you gonna join dad and do some mixing and producing and and so on and so forth I'm not sure yet. I'm still trying to grab the ropes of just describing. And, uh, you know, I hope that one day I'll, I'll be as, as good as everyone else in, the, in, in audio ways. But uh, I'm not sure if I, if I want to go into mixing yet. Or not, definitely not yet, but I, ever. I <laughs> We'd like to just we bring something up. As someone who's who's worn a lot of hats, I do feel that each role I've taken on has helped me understand the other roles more effectively and be better at each of them. So it uh, it's it's really it's really interesting to see how the pieces fit together. And just by having a different role, just by having a different chair in the pipeline of the production, you can you can see that, and you can I've I've, yeah. I've been able to, to make to make better better choices that that lead to fewer mistakes or fewer problems down the road. What would your dream project be, Dee Dee? That's a hard question. Uh, <laughs> Dee Dee's already doing the hardest thing in description. 
as far as I'm concerned, which is dance. It's, it's difficult to do dance. Yeah, for sure. It is uh, something I approach in live theater with fear and trepidation um, <laughs> because it's supposed to be evocative of something. It's supposed to get an emotional response, but I'm not supposed to describe emotions. And so it's, it's really challenging. So she's actually already started with the hardest thing. So the rest of it will be downhill, Didi. <laughs> can, you, can you share with us where we could find that? Is that something um, we can say over air? Yeah. Yeah. It's on Infinite Flow and Inclusive Dance Company's YouTube channel. And I believe Facebook page. Um, the first one I did was Adidas. It's the only title with Adidas. And I forgot what its actual name is. But it's a collaboration with Adidas and Infinite Flow. And then and, the second one is Gravity. And the second one is Gravity. By I have a personal question for Chris. Will we ever see audio description on soap operas? I would love it uh, to, 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 if we could do that, because I think that, um, you know, that's, that's a huge audience that I don't know that we have necessarily reached. Um, we've done a few of the primetime soaps, uh, well, what I would consider soaps, uh, Micah and I, <laughs> uh, is, is mistresses, is that what we're about to do? Mistresses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, I gotta say, <laughs> I go, oh, well, if, you know, you should have seen the shooting, you know, sometimes Micah and I would take a break from, from our, our description quality as we would go through and he would read me. Um, the scene out of the shooting script, like what they had given to the actors. Uh, and it was hilarious. Way over the top interpretive uh, directions. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, like the, emo- the emotional directions for the characters. Yeah, yes. yeah. Yes. yeah. <laughs> I used, we, we, we used to joke that it should have been called like a uh, uh, single woman making terrible choices. Or, or <laughs> <laughs> repeatedly yeah <laughs> i was shocked uh, to to find out that i'm a huge j-lo fan and i have watched every single super bowl halftime performance uh that i can since i'm four years old i was shocked this year to find out that they, that was actually audio described as well i know some of you have experience with live performances what's that like <laughs> I haven't done live TV. So oh, I've, done, I've done some tests, but I haven't done any live TV. Micah did um, a live um, uh, video game. Uh, we, there couple, was a, 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 a video ago. game festival a couple of weekends ago focused on uh, accessibility with video games. And so... Not just uh, sensory disabilities could be people with physical disabilities trying to find, you know, like custom control schemes and things like that. Yeah. Just the whole the whole gamut of issues surrounding accessibility <laughs> in gaming. And so part of it was they wanted some some uh, things for for blind accessibility. And we they ended up having the the original plan was they were gonna there's this this really great uh, Super Smash Brothers uh, player that they had enlisted and that he was going to be online on Twitch and that he and his friend would sort of talk as they were playing and just sort of like be the banter and that I would be this uh, supplement uh, providing description around them. And 
he was going to basically be on plane for like four hours straight. And I would just sort of be finding, finding spaces in between their dialogue to put in some descriptions of the gameplay. They couldn't actually get the audio feed from the other guy. So they're like, can you just describe this for four hours? Like, okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm going to need to take some breaks here and there. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, it was, it was, it was, there were a couple there were a couple games, like start to finish of the game, where like I, I felt like did like a really great job. Really was able to be on time, didn't didn't flummox or get you know didn't misspeak or something. But like it is challenging. There was there was it was an interesting experience to think about how to how to approach description for interactive media, which is something I've been interested in for a while, trying to trying to think about. So it was, it was a really fun project to just sort of dip my toe into that without having to like do a lot more. Um, without having a larger project to, 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 that we were trying to work toward. Yeah, there's a company in New York City that um, I did some sessions with uh, surrounding video games, and it was a phenomenally interesting experience. Yeah, uh, you know, taking it from from this side of it, I'm you know, I wasn't a huge gamer, but I definitely I've played for years, and, and sitting on it from this side, it was like wow, and you know, to to be involved in that conversation for a couple of hours, and uh, you know, and what about this, and how about that, and it was you know, my brain, I don't think my brain has been that creative in the last five years. <laughs> Byron, do we have any hands? Um, I don't see any hands raised at the moment. If people do have uh, questions, please raise your hand, and then I will uh, break in and let Anthony know. Um, you know, descriptive audio, I, I, I uh, train seniors who are blind or visually impaired uh, and teach them how to use their adaptive technology for a living. And so one of the things I get to do is talk to people about descriptive audio and um, there was a married couple at one point where I was really kind of trying to push them into trying it out because the, the, the wife was really frustrated. The husband would fall asleep uh, during the show and then she wouldn't know what was going on. And he got frustrated because he kept having to break himself out of the show to describe what was going on. So um, they begrudgingly tried it. And the husband who was cited was uh, sort of like, oh, I don't know if this is... I get a phone call like two days later from the husband and he goes, Oh, this is great. She doesn't ask me to talk anymore when I'm trying to watch TV. Yeah. <laughs> he loved yeah. it. My sister, my sister uses it now when she's cooking and doing homework with my nephew that she doesn't have to look at the screen. She's using audio description, mm -hmm. you know, and she was fully sighted and absolutely loves it. So, you know, it's, it's for us, but you know what? It can transcend into, into other areas as well. Yeah, sure. my dad. My dad is a uh, long distance truck driver, and I yeah, send. Him, I that. frequently send him uh, descriptions, you know, so he can listen to it while he's driving. You know, it's like a book for him, uh, except it's a TV show. Yeah, I would imagine things like you know overnight security guards who can't have a television at their place would you know they could put the the file on on their phone or or pad or something. Awesome. So we, while we're waiting to see if anybody has any questions, um, we started the show off with Roy. We talked about Kevin's process and the need for quality control mm -hmm. standards and stuff. I am wondering if any of you guys have anything you'd like to add to that portion of the discussion. Um, and if you want to say something to inspire the listeners out there to use those hashtags and to, to make their voices heard. You definitely you do. do. Yeah, you definitely need to give us feedback. Uh, about the things that are working, the things that aren't working. 
Um, that that's you know, as I said, you, nobody wants to be criticized, but um, if you don't let us know that something's not effective for you, we have no way of knowing. We have uh, three hands raised, so I I can go ahead and uh, raise Sue. Yeah. Uh, unmute Sue. Sue, I just unmuted you, so you should get a box that pops up that asks you to unmute, and um, hopefully you'll be able to be heard now. Hi, thank you. Um, my question is more about, I guess, on demand or um, all the the videos that are coming out in the public now. Like, for example, the George Floyd videos. Um, is there any effort to make those kinds of public um, videos more accessible with through audio description? Good question. That is uh, a yes. good question. Uh, the answer to that is yes. Um, there are uh, I, 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 Robert. I, I don't know if Robert uh, King it is still on on the call, but um, he uh, recently gave us a link for. Um, somebody who is going through and describing some of those uh, videos uh, of, of the protests of the. Hey Chris, um, could I, I jump in with that? Oh, sure. Go for it. So there's a podcast called talk description to me and it's hosted by JJ hunt an audio description, voice talent and writer, as well as Christine Malik related. There's episode seven that talks, it's called episode seven jazz hands. One Oh one that talks about nonverbal gestures and there's also that George Floyd video that I think was one of the earlier episodes. So again, that podcast, you know, in addition to picture this, is um, this is called Talk Description to Me. I think it's on Stitcher. All right, Thank we you. got two more. Um, I'm going to try to Go get ahead, Byron. Uh, so I'm going to get uh, Janine unmuted, and then um, whoops, Roy just disappeared. Hang on, Pe- people are moving around on me. <laughs> All right, Janine, I just uh, sent the request to unmute, so you should be able to be heard. Hey, um, so I have a question for Terry. I think it's Terry. You can hear me? Yep, yes, we can hear you. Okay, okay good. Um, my question is uh, for, like, if I went to a fringe festival and there's, a, there's the fringe festivals, how do we get them to do audio descriptions? And what advice can we give them for that? Because... I think live theater is really important or even yes. a comedy club. Yeah. Yeah. All um, ask, ask for it. See what happens if you ask for it. If you don't bring it up, then they'll never know. Um, if you know uh, a describer in your area that you can refer to the theater company because they'll tell you, we don't know who to talk to. We'll be right. the next next thing they'll say so if you can give them a group of people or or a describer that you think does a a nice job um you know refer them to that and see if if the conversation can get started would audio audio eyes do that like would they come out to like the orlando fringe festival and do it for the festival (laughs) uh perhaps you know okay i'll send you an email um there are some describers in florida Oh, okay. That were trained by the gal that trained me. Um, and I don't know what they're doing. So uh, I'm Terry at AudioWise, um, T-E-R-I. Um, send me a message and I'll see if I can dig up uh, a contact for those describers. Because if you get a describer in your community that's closer, that will be more feasible for you and for the theater company. Okay, thank you so much. You're welcome. 
Um, Anthony, we're running out of time, but Robert has his hand raised. So uh, why don't we wrap things up? And then if you want to answer his question after we get off of ACB radio, we can do that. Oh, it looks like we might have lost Anthony. Um, Nope, he's here. You muted me. I'm back. I'm sorry. Thank you for listening to Sunday edition. This has been a great show. I'll be back again next week with another fabulous show. Have a great week, everybody. I'd like to thank Roy Samuelson, Chris Snyder, Miriam Snyder, D.D. Snyder, Terry Grossman, and Micah Grossman. Good day, everyone. We'll fix that in post. You've been listening to Sunday Edition with Anthony on ACB Radio Mainstream. For more information, questions, comments, feedback, suggestions, etc., please email celebration AC. That's the word celebration with the letters AC at AOL.com. Look forward to hearing from you and let's brunch again next Sunday. 